This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Pax, which she said. I kind of can't believe that we are already on our fifth episode. Um, it seems like time is just flying by. Uh, but today we're going to be wrapping up the combine, talking about players that maybe imp- improved their stock, players whose stock kind of went down a little bit, and just how we're feeling about key positions for the Packers about a month. I think it's 50 days, actually, from the time of recording from draft night, uh, which is really exciting. I love this time of year. Um, but one of the things that we do know about the Packers, at least under new general manager Brian Gutekunst, is that he's a huge fan of relative athletic scores. Um, you'll see them on Twitter a lot as hashtag RAS, a RAS score. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with the concept of the relative athletic score, um, it was created by Kent Lee Platt. And he, basically what the RAS score is, it's a 1 through 10 scale, and it just measures athleticism. So there's not film, he's not watching players um, and how they're performing on the field. It's strictly combine or pro day numbers that measure like vertical jumps, broad jump, the shuttle cones uh, 40 times to just see how explosive these these athletes are. Um, And one of the things that we know about Brian Gutekunst is that most of his draft picks typically fall in the eight or above range, which would be an elite score. Um, He does break that mold for some players, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, But I do want to bring in Perry Goldstein to do more of kind of an in-depth dive at each of these players. You know, that some of the guys we think have really high scores um, that Gutekunst would be looking for on draft night. Um, So first, I guess we can just kind of go down the line. We'll do offense and defense. But let's start with the quarterbacks. I know that the Packers maybe aren't necessarily in the market for a quarterback super early, but Gutekunst did say if there was a guy there that they liked, they would take him regardless of where it was in the draft. So any guys maybe catch your eye on on during the combine, anyone who you think either performed exceeding your expectations or maybe somebody that you thought their stock kind of fell? As a whole, the group kind of underwhelmed me. Um, I thought they were really slow. And the league is, you know, kind of shifting gears towards really mobile quarterbacks. And so the fact that some of them didn't have, like, the best 40 times was, um, like I said, underwhelming. There were two guys that I thought performed pretty well um, that I surprised me, which were Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love. Um, I might be a little biased because I actually think that they're probably the better fit for the Packers in general. But Jalen Hurts had the best 40 time of the first group. Um and I, I just think he, he just performed a lot better than people expected him to. He's getting a lot of similar Lamar Jackson questions, like, are you going to move to wide receiver? Or, and he's like, 
I'm a team player, but no, I'm a quarterback. And he really showed like he is a quarterback. Um, Jordan Love, too. He has a 9.11 RAS score, which definitely fits into the mold of what Goot likes. Um, he's also not a guy that people expect to go in the first round. So ideally, if we are going to take a quarterback, I'd hope we wouldn't pick uh, at 30. Um, so I think he's someone that if he falls, um, could be good with the Packers. He's like kind of tabbed as a like a developmental guy. Um, so and you could see that a little bit like his footwork wasn't like the best. Um, but I think he has a lot of potential and he ran a pretty fast 40 at 465. So um, those are the two quarterbacks that caught my eye. Yeah, I did like both of those guys. I thought that uh, Jalen Hurts had one of the better days for a quarterback. Um, I thought Jordan Love kind of had some errant throws, but a lot of that, you know, is these quarterbacks have not worked with a lot of these wide receivers before. So there is kind of that understanding of how fast a guy runs, whether or not they're on the same page. Another quarterback that I wanted to talk about really quick before we move on to the skill positions is James Morgan from Florida International, because he is an Ashwaubenon native. And I know that whether it's just talk, but uh, it sounded like from combine rumors that the Green Bay front office was kind of interested in him was maybe a day three guy. It would be really cool for an Ashwaubenon native who literally wore jersey numbers four and 12 growing up to get to be um, a Green Bay quarterback, whether he, you know, as a practice squad guy, happens to latch onto the 53, to own a James Morgan Packers jersey would be a really cool thing for him. He didn't qualify for a RAS score, but he did look pretty good in on-field workouts. I thought that he was somebody that did improve his combine. Um, I thought maybe he had the potential to go undrafted. Now I think that somebody will take a look at him on day three. But since we're talking about RAS scores, I thought it would be fun to just give out a couple numbers from previous quarterbacks uh, that have donned the green and gold. Tim Boyle didn't qualify for one, so we don't have his numbers. Uh, But Taysom Hill is a 9.58. And Brett Hundley, of all people, was a 9.85, which is my favorite RAS score I think that I've ever heard. uh, Because Brett Hundley got a lot of flack for you know, the way that he played quarterback. But when you are being compared to Aaron Rodgers, you're probably always going to take a little bit of flack. So kudos to Brett Hundley for apparently being a freaky athlete that maybe none of us would have really expected. Let's now move to running backs. Um, You know, the Packers have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams right now. Aaron Jones was one of those explosive freaky athletes. Jamal Williams had kind of an underwhelming score. He was sub five, uh, which is not great. But the Packers do, you know, with some skill players, they'll kind of reach beyond the boundaries if it's somebody that they think meets the needs of the team. So they did have Aaron Jones as kind of that, that explosive athlete. And then they had Jamal Williams as the pounder and the the pass protector. Um, so who are some of the running backs that caught your eye on combine day? Um, I mean, the only one that I would say just because I guess I'm a little reluctant to even look at wide uh, running backs because. I'm just such an Aaron Jones lover and I think he's going to be with us forever. And so I'm like, we don't need a running back. I know that we do. It's ridiculous. I know, I know you can, you don't like flood me. With, we need a running back. I get it. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is an obvious one. I think um, he looked great, uh, you know, from being a Wisconsin guy. I think people love him. Um, he's the only one that I really watched at all, but um, I know that you spent a lot of time watching the running back. So I'm sure you have tons to say. I do. And I, I do 
have what I think would probably be good news for you and that, you know, it sounded like Aaron Jones and his agent were already talking with the Packers about a contract extension. So it does seem like there is mutual interest on both sides to keep him around. I think Aaron Jones, you know, we always talk about these guys taking team friendly deals, not necessarily realizing that these are minor term careers for the longevity of their lives. So if they did want to go get every dime that they're worth, Nobody could fault them for that. But anyway, that's a whole nother episode. I do think Aaron Jones is going to get paid. Um, but I do think that there is interest in staying a Green Bay Packer. I don't know what that means for Jamal Williams. Uh, but that, again, another episode. We do know that the Packers need a third running back. We don't know if that will be Dexter Williams going into 2020. Um, so Dexter Williams was another one of those Brian Gutekunst guys. He did have an elite RAS score of 8.17, but he was never able to put that athletic production on the field. Uh, so a couple running backs that I thought really looked good and kind of looked like Brian Gutekunst guys. A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. I will always have a soft spot for Boston College players because Boston College gave me B.J. Raji, and I cannot thank them enough for that. Um, so I love me some A.J. Dillon. I thought he looked really good. Cam Akers, his combine was phenomenal. I think that his draft stock skyrocketed. Um, Akers is from Florida State. He had a 9.31 RAS score. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is also a really fun prospect from LSU. He has more of an average score. He didn't necessarily look like an explosive athlete, but he's also being comped to guys like Mark Ingram. Um, and we know the kind of success that Mark Ingram has had in the NFL. So he's a thumper. The Packers, you know, have broken their mold for thumpers like Jamal Williams. And I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would just be a fantastic complement to kind of that explosive, versatile agility that Aaron Jones has. Um, one last player that I wanted to mention really quick is James Robinson from Illinois State. I think he's somebody that could be there in the later rounds if the Packers are looking for, you know, a shifty back. Um, but the reason that I don't want the Packers to draft James Robinson is because my boss is named James Robinson. And that would just be really weird for me to <laughs> have a James Robinson Packer and a James Robinson that I have to email every day about my job. So not that any of you care about that. Uh, but James Robinson, Illinois State, if he gets drafted by the Packers, please tweet at me on draft night because it's going to be kind of weird for me. I'm going to need some support. Um, but now we can talk about a position that, Perry, I know these are your guys. Let's talk about the wide receivers. I am going to give you the floor here because there's a lot to like. And I know that one of your guys, just his combine numbers were insane. This class is so deep. It's so crazy. Um, like I am now leaning towards hoping that the Packers draft and fill one of our defensive needs in round one, because there's no way we're not going to get an awesome guy in round two or three. I was a little disappointed that my draft crush didn't participate for no reason <laughs> either. Like T Higgins, you're resting. Like, are you hurt? What's your deal? Um, Hamler too, but he's hurt. So like, that was fair. I just, I know that those are two guys we were definitely looking to like, see how they did, especially Hamler, just given like his size. Um, I would have loved to see what his 40 time was, but I mean, there were some obvious guys that stood out. CD lamb, Henry Ruggs, like they're first rounders. They're fantastic. We knew that. Um, I kind of want to talk more about the guys that surprised me. Um, and I'm going to start with Chase Claypool, because if you listen to Pack-A-Day, you know that he was actually someone I had my eye on going into the combine. Um, and I thought he super upped his game. Um, I still see him as a like third rounder, um, but he has a perfect 10 RAS score. I mean, 
I didn't even know that that was possible. Um, and at 238 pounds, he ran a 4.42. So, okay, big freaky. Um, I know some people think that he should be shift to tight end, but I mean, keep him as a wide receiver. He's he can attack the middle of the field just like a tight end can, and he has the speed like a wide receiver. Um, I was talking to my dad, and he was. We were like, imagine putting him in the slot. Like he would be a matchup nightmare. Um, so he just really stood out to me. I was hoping he'd have a good combine, and he. I thought he performed like the best of some of those sleeper guys. Um, another guy that I actually was watching and was pretty impressed with was Omar Bayless out of Arkansas State. Um, he just he had really good hands. He ran um, a pretty good forty time. He had a four point two RAS, which. Um, is lower than obviously we would ever take. But I just thought given his drills and um, the competition that he's up against, he just is someone that really stood out to me. Um, and then, of course, my guy, he's really hes really becoming my guy, Denzel Mims. Um, he's mocking now like he's going to go in round one. I don't see that happening. Maybe he'll be in earlier round two than we originally thought. But um, I think if we got him at 62, it would be beautiful. <laughs> so those are just some of the guys that really jumped out to me. I know that there are some more obvious ones that did really well, but um, I like to talk about the guys that no one else is talking about. Yeah. And for the people listening at home that obviously can't see her on their computer screen, like I can, she did the chef's kiss thing when she talked <laughs> about Denzel Mims. So if you need any, you know, visual as to how much Perry loves Denzel Mims, just picture her doing a chef's kiss um, over Skype. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned Mims because if you didn't, I was definitely going to. Um, my favorite wide receiver in this draft class, who to me doesn't feel realistic at 30, but I have to stop saying guys aren't realistic at 30 because there's about 87 people that aren't realistic at 30 right now. Justin Jefferson. I thought that he was going to perform well at the combine and then he performed really well at the combine. People, you know, we always kind of thought that he's going to be a late first rounder, but He's kind of in that conversation now as maybe maybe the fourth receiver off the board, maybe the third if he outperforms um, or if he jumps over somebody like Henry Ruggs. I don't necessarily think he will, but I do think that he will go in the first round, and I think that he could go in the early 20s. He could be somebody that is not available for the Packers. He makes a lot of sense for a team like the Saints, but we're not going to talk about that because this is not a Saints podcast. This isn't Saints what she said. <laughs> Someone else that I do want to talk about is Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. Um, I thought that he looked really good. He had that explosive athleticism, 9.83 RAS. He just he fits the mold of a Green Bay Packers receiver. And I think that if you look at Denzel Mims, he's another one of those guys that does that. So guys like Mims, Peoples-Jones, and Jefferson were three guys that I think that if you put them in a Packers uniform – and then watch them run the combine, you would think that it was the prototypical Packers wide receiver. Now I guess we can talk about the tight ends. Um, the tight end position is one of those really unique positions to the Packers because they this is one of the few positions where they don't have a history of taking the explosive athletes. Um, Jay Sternberger had a 5.25. He had a really average RAS. Um, my guy, Richard Rodgers, who I love, pretty low athletic score. Um, so if we weren't necessarily taking RAS into account here, because I don't think the Packers are necessarily as driven by that number, looking at tight ends, who are some guys that you still really like from this group since you did, you know, get to see a lot of those guys perform? 
I, again, like the quarterbacks, was actually a little disappointed with the tight end showing. Um, I don't know if it's just because I don't know a ton about the position or it's tough because, like, why uh, tight end in college is so different from tight end in the NFL. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Albert Okanobanon. Okay, that was so wrong. <laughs> with Albert O. Um, he ran a four four nine. He's humongous, and I think that speed um, will do really good things for him in the draft. Um, I thought Cole Komet was just like the obvious like top guy, and then the rest sort of were a lot farther down. Um, I thought your guy Harrison Bryant out of FAU had a really great showing. Um, I thought Hunter Bryant also looked great, but as a whole with the class, like there was nobody that stood out to me um there I don't know if it flips every year kind of like quarterbacks do where there's like a really good class and last year was just that class um but I can't see any of these guys being players that the Packers take in their kind of first three or four picks yeah I don't think that there's any first round graded tight ends this class I think last year we were in the discussion to have three maybe four you know if they started really tumbling down the board Uh, But I think that this is a really day two, day three heavy class. And like you said, there's not, I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just, there aren't the Noah fans or the guys that really kind of pop off the page. Um, Adam Troutman from Dayton is another, you know, big bodied physical tight end that I think the Packers might be interested in. He had a pretty high RAS score in 8.29, which would kind of exceed what the Packers normally do at the position. I do think that the Packers would probably go after somebody on day three, but given so many of the pressing needs that the team has, um, some of these guys like Cole Kmet that really kind of leap off the page and could be the first tight end off the board doesn't necessarily feel like those are the kind of guys that'll be in Green Bay's wheelhouse. Talking about a position that probably is in Green Bay's wheelhouse, could be a pick at 30 or 62. Let's talk about the offensive line, because to me, this was probably the class of the draft, if not, you know, like top three. These guys played lights out. They looked incredible running in their, I don't know, their shorts. I guess it wasn't really, they didn't play anything, but they looked really good and really athletic in Indy. Yeah, um, there are two guys that kind of stood out to me. And again, I'm not, um, it's it's so hard to judge offensive tackles, I think, in some of the drills that they do. Um, like Maggie says, they're little shuffle drills. Um, <laughs> but I, mean, I think the obvious like star of the combine, at least to me, was Mecky Becton from Louisville. Um, for a six foot seven, I think he's almost like 360 pounds. Like this is a big, large man who... <laughs> who ran a 5.1 in the 40. So just like super athletic um, and uh, I mean, humongous also, like I wouldn't want to go up against him in the line. Um, I also really liked Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, another really big dude, 6'6", 3'11", posted a 4.9340, broke the five. So um, I was just impressed by the two of them um, a lot. So some of these guys, you know, they already had first round first round grades. And one of those guys is Tristan Wirfs. And to me, in my notes here, I put already made money, but he made more money. So he, you know, was in the conversation as being like, you know, one of the first linemen off the board. But he broke the combine. Like, he is such an athletic guy. And I've seen this on Twitter, you know, people talking about it. But it's really unfortunate that the Packers 
probably have no shot at Twist- Tristan Wirfs because he does play for Iowa. And if we have to say goodbye to Brian Balaga, Iowa, it'd be really nice to follow that up with Tristan Wirfs, Iowa, whatever. Nobody cares about that. Actually, a lot of people probably care about that. But Tristan Wirfs, Iowa, 9.74 RAS score. I thought Josh Jones looked pretty good. He had a 7.24. Um, so he he played or he performed well at the combine, but he definitely wasn't the most explosive lineman there. My favorite in this draft class, Matt Pert from UConn. He had a nine RAS. He looked pretty good. I thought that he was pretty fluid in his motions, um, even as a developmental prospect. Um, I thought that he, you know, is somebody that'll definitely grow into the role as a starting right tackle. I'm glad you mentioned Ezra Cleveland because he was somebody else that I was going to bring up. Um, But this is also one of those positions that the Packers do invest um, in athletic players. Elton Jenkins had a 9.57 for his RAS. um, And, you know, he could play anywhere on the interior of the line. So I think that guys like Ezra Cleveland, uh, Matthew Pert, Matt Hennessy from Temple, Um, These are the kind of guys that the Packers, if they're going to invest in one of those really high explosive athletes, it's going to be somebody on their their offensive line where they want somebody to be able to drop back really quickly. Okay, so now we're going to shift gears and talk about the defensive side. Um, We talked about the big boys on offense. Now we'll talk about the big boys on defense. Um, Which defensive linemen really stood out to you at the Combine? So I was really excited to watch this group perform because I love the interior defensive linemen. Looking at Gutekunst's history, he doesn't have a ton of experience with these guys. Kingsley Kiki is his only real big guy uh, that he drafted. Uh, Kiki had an 8.01 RAS. Pretty athletic. Uh, Kiki played pretty well in his limited snaps at Green Bay, but I do think that the Packers will be looking to get a compliment for Kenny Clark along the defensive line. Um, and for what it's worth, Kenny Clark had an average RAS of 7.56, so this isn't Again, one of those positions where Goody is looking for nine or above, which we do have some of those, and we will talk about those later in the episode Um, through process of elimination. You can probably figure out what those positions are. But on the defensive line, um, Justin Matabike from Texas A&M, he looked really good. I think that he was already in contention to be um, potentially a late day round or late round one guy, probably more like an early day two guy. He was pretty explosive in his drills. Khalil Davis from Nebraska had a really nice performance. My draft love, Ross Blacklock um, from TCU, had a 7.85. He had okay size, elite speed, and good explosiveness. So if the Packers are indeed looking for more speed on the defense, Blacklock is a good option for them there. Um, Jordan Elliott looked pretty good. Jason Strobridge from North Carolina. Neville Gallimore had a, a decent day. Um, nothing really jumped off the charts there, but this is kind of when we talk about, you know, taking these RAS scores with a grain of salt because they are just explosive athletic measurements. They aren't necessarily what the tape shows. Um, Derek Brown, who's probably going to be the first defensive lineman off the board, his RAS score is only a 6.09. So when you think about, you know, we talk about how Goot loves these explosive athletes, there's still plenty of super talented players that are, you know, that don't post these insane numbers. So do keep that in mind. This show, we're really looking at those freak athletes, the people with high RAS scores that kind of fall into Goody's range. Um, but there are plenty of really high or players that have really high grades that don't really post elite measurements. Um, I do have one defensive lineman and I've, I 
had really liked Jordan Elliott a lot out of college and he kind of disappointed me um, at the combine. But again, like I think the combine doesn't necessarily um, the tape. I'd say go with the tape first. Um, So, I mean, he comes out at a seven, two, five, which is actually pretty good for an RAS score. um, But only he ran a 5.02 for the 40. So he didn't, he didn't like jump out of me. He would like, um, you know, spring up the board a little bit, but, um, you know, he had a pretty like average day. Um, yeah, so we can move to edge. Um, who really stood out to you? Who do you like? Who maybe disappointed you a little bit? The edge position is tricky because Rashawn Gary, of course, you know, he was almost perfect with his score. He was a 9.95. Um, and he was definitely somebody, I mean, obviously the Packers took him at pick 12. He was somebody that they really sought after. You pair him with Zedarius and Preston Smith. And that trio of edge rushers is going to be really talented in Green Bay for a really long time. So so it was kind of of hard to assess this edge position, knowing that the Packers probably wouldn't spend too much time on this position or too much draft stock. I don't think that they're going to take, you know, one of the top, guys on the board at the end of the first round I think that this will be probably a late day three pick that just kind of fills out their draft class and gives them another player especially if they move on from Kyler Fackrell which I would fully expect them to but a couple names to keep in mind uh James Smith Williams from North Carolina State he had a pretty nice combine he had a 9.01 RAS score um and then Alton Robinson from Syracuse had an 8.92 these are a couple of those day three guys that would really round out a roster I know the Packers will probably bring back Rand. Uh, Randy Ramsey um, to also compete um, in that edge class. Um, so I do think, you know, they'll, they'll take a stab at somebody. I don't think that they'll just bring in undrafted guys, um, but definitely not a position that I think that the Packers will be too concerned about given so many of the other needs that they have um, and kind of the strengths of the class. I would say that edge, it is a nice edge class, but I don't see the Packers investing enough to warrant one of those top tier guys. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I fully expect them to kind of lean on the group that they already have, maybe take someone towards the end of the day if someone falls they like, but I can't imagine them uh, really spending that much stock in, in any of these, these edge guys, especially when we do have pretty big holes on defense that we need to fill, and I would expect them to go with some of those needier positions um so speaking of positions of need um let's talk about i think our biggest hole which is linebacker tell us about some of the guys you like maggie so i know that one of your favorite players in this draft class is an inside linebacker so i will not talk about him but um wisconsin fans zach bond looked pretty good he had a nice a nice showing at the combine he had an 8.75 RAS score uh, Casey Tuhill from Stanford had a really nice day, 9.41 RAS, but you know, he is a Stanford inside linebacker. So I'm not sure how Packer fans will feel about that. Um, if the team does move on from Blake Martinez. Um, but I do think it's interesting if you look at kind of, you know, Goody's numbers in contrast to Ted Thompson, when Blake Martinez was drafted, he had a 6.41 RAS and then Oren Burks as a third rounder was a 9.71 Ty Summers, 9.7 as a seventh rounder. So, you know, Goot, especially at the inside linebacker position, I think that that's one of those positions where Goot maybe is going to emphasize speed and athleticism a little more than his predecessor did and Ted Thompson. I think Thompson was looking, you know, just for players that would round out the existing defense. And I think that Brian Gutekunst is like, 
let me get Mike Pettin some players and he can plug them in where he needs to. I think that's kind of the difference here. So when we talk about, you know, the Packers looking for these freak athletes, I think it's because the game is evolving. And, you know, Ted Thompson was trying to fill roster holes and Brian Gutekunst knows that there's so many sub packages that he's just, he's going to get the athletes and he's going to let guys like Mike Pettin figure out what to do with them. Um, Kenneth Murray had a really nice day. And I think the reason that like, at least from my perspective, Packer fans just love him for the guy. He is off the field as well. 9.93 RAS um, just seems like a really high character guy. Somebody that would be a traditional player drafted by the Packers. Um, Patrick Queen still looked good. He had an 8.14 for his RAS score. The only knock that they had against him was that his size was pretty small for the position. So if he was a little bit bigger, his RAS probably would have fallen into that higher um, elite range. So not that we can expect him to grow any additional inches, but if the only knock against him is his side, he's still really speedy. He's still a thumper. Um, So I think that he, you know, he helped himself, but we kind of already thought Queen and Murray were going to be off the board early. The last guy I want to mention is Francis Bernard from Utah, because in a previous episode, I said that his player comp was Blake Martinez. Um, He actually only posted a 4.06 RAS score. So he would be an, a less athletic version of Blake Martinez. So don't expect the Packers to to take him uh, at the inside linebacker. And finally, my guy, Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian state, he had surgery, so he did not participate. Um, but, But I will be curious to see what his numbers look like if he does happen to be able to perform at his pro day. Otherwise I still think he's, he's probably a day three late day two flyer that, is athletic on tape. So I would imagine that his RAS score is pretty good. I'm glad you mentioned the evolution of the position because it's so true. Like, especially inside linebacker, I think they need to be speedier. They need to go sideline to sideline more. It doesn't matter so much um, kind of the scheme that they fit in. They just need to be able to like play the middle of the field, especially with this like resurgence in the run game to be able to stop the run and also stop big tight ends in the middle of the field it's a lot to ask for a player and so I think the idea of going for just like an elite athlete um is the way to go um I'm also going to talk about Kenneth Murray because (laughs) if I didn't love him before I really love him now um I mean obviously we know he tested well he ran a four five two he's an elite athlete but like it's just something about and that's why I love the Packers too because the Packers go for good people we never have the drama queens. We never have anybody come in that's like has, I don't know, any off the field issues. Um, I don't know if that's like a, a conscious choice that the front office makes or if it just happens that way because what drama queen wants to go up and like live in snowy Green Bay for most of the year. <laughs> but I just like, he is so fantastic. He interviewed so well. Um, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in his closed door interview with the Packers. I know they met with him he was their first interview so or he they were his first interview so it shows how much interest there is and i can see why um i will talk about my guy malik harrison um i love his tape because he's so aggressive and so explosive and i think he's really explosive for his size he did he had a great day he ran a 466 not the fastest that's okay it's just a 40 um, all that matters is if you're speedy on the field, and I think he is. And he posted a 9.56 RAS score, which is right in the range that Goot likes. Um, and I think that he, if we didn't get someone like Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray in the first round, um, he's someone we could take in the second or third. 
But I don't know, because given how good his combine was, maybe he, he's going to be um, an earlier pick. We'll see. If I had that, you know, one player at the inside linebacker position that I would bet would not be there at pick 30, and that's Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. He was another one of those guys that had a perfect 10 RAS score. And when you watch him on tape, you understand that there's that freaky athleticism, athleticism that translates from tape to the combine. So if we kind of shift gears and talk about the secondary, uh, we'll, we'll talk about corners first and then safeties. These are the positions that Goot really won't stray from these high athletic scores. Kevin King was a 9.95. Jair Alexander was a 9.5. Josh Jackson, a 9.1. Kadar Holman, 9.2. So when Brian Gutekunst is, is up drafting a corner, we can expect them to be a freak athlete. Um, and two of the freakiest athletes at the combine were CJ Henderson from Florida, who was another guy that had a perfect 10. And then Jeff Akuda from Ohio State, who had the 9.56. Those will likely be the first two corners off the board. No way that they fall to 30. I feel pretty confident in betting that. Um, so were there any corners that you thought either as day two or day three guys that really stood out to and improved their draft stock? Yeah, so I have two actually. One that was pointed out to me as a sleeper guy who I actually was watching for. And then one that you and I had talked about that was actually a little bit disappointing. So I'll start with the guy um, that I was super excited about. It's Jalen Johnson out of Utah. Um, he fits right in our mold. He's six feet, 193 pounds. He's got like nine inch and almost 10 inch hands. Um, he actually ran a four five forty, which is pretty fast, faster than your guy Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, who we'll talk about in a sec. Um, <laughs> and with a torn labrum, Johnson did 15 reps on the bench press of 225, which I think more than any, more than showing like his strength or whatever, that's grit. Like that's, that's a gritty hardworking player. Um, he also completed the three cone drill in seven seconds, which was sixth fastest. So just really athletic came out to be an eight, four, four on the RAS score, which isn't like Jeff Okuda, but, um, is still in the elite range. Um, I went back after the combine and actually watched some tape on him. And I think he's an interception machine. Um, he tracks the ball really well. He's always in the right place at the right time. So um, I don't know where he'd fall, but if we did draft a corner, I actually, he's kind of my favorite right now. Um, and then I'm sure you're going to want to talk about your guy, Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, but he, he did okay. I thought he was fine. He didn't stand out too much. Came back with a rest score of six, seven, two, um, which doesn't fall into that elite range. So to me, he feels like someone that maybe the Packers wouldn't go for, given that, but you never know. I actually don't have much to say about Lamar Jackson, because like you, I was kind of disappointed by the performance. I still think he's in my on day three, um, but given kind of the athletic measurements that he had and knowing the way that Brian Gutekunst kind of shapes his corner room, I wouldn't necessarily think he'd be a player that they take a flyer on. Um, some of the guys that I would think as the three players that the Packers could be interested in... Um, Reggie Robinson from Tulsa had a 9.75. That's a really athletic score. AJ Terrell from Clemson had a 9.69. Javelin is his first name, which is the coolest first name of all time. I think he belongs on the Packers basically because of guys like Geronimo Ellison that have pretty cool first names. But Javelin Goudry from Utah had a 9.42. He's an early day three guy. And then probably my final guy who's also a day three guy is Michael Ojemudier from Iowa. He had a 9.52 RAS. Um, but he's got some nice height. And if we think about, you know, kind of the mold that Goody had with Kevin King, Josh Jackson had some nice height. Drafting another Iowa corner 
probably not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, and I think depending on what happens with Tremont Williams, who is another guy that they talked about just a little bit at the combine, he did say that kind of his future playing is up in the air because of course he does want to come back to the Packers. And if the Packers maybe don't reciprocate those feelings, I don't know if that means that he would retire or if he'd go elsewhere for maybe one or two more seasons. If Tremont Williams comes back, I, I don't think that the Packers draft a corner until day three, but if Tremont does leave, Given Kevin King's kind of on and off injury history, the lack of development from Josh Jackson, I could see the Packers, you know, kind of going all in, maybe even as high as around three if there's a guy on their board. Uh, CJ Henderson, obviously from Florida, would be the ideal pick, but he'll probably be gone by pick 10. So I guess he's not really that ideal if we're looking for guys that'll be there uh, late round one. Um, but finally, let's talk about the safeties because there were some pretty impressive safeties. Um, at the combine, and you know, Darnell Savage had an 8.35. Adrian Amos actually had an 8.77. So when Gutekunst, you know, was in free agency, he also brought in those freak athletes to play on the back end. Um, so were there any guys that stood out to you where you thought, you know, maybe weren't on your radar, but they are now? Oh yeah. Um, I so corner and safety have been a position that I haven't focused a lot of my energies on, just because they feel a little bit more complete than some of our other position groups so I'm not paying too much attention but then I'm watching on Sunday and this guy out of a random school to Lenoir Rhine um Kyle Duggar comes out with just this wild performance like he has an RAS score of 986 so I can imagine that given that he tested probably the best of all the safeties um he might go earlier than we would pick a safety but I just love when guys like him come from not the big schools he doesn't play in the SEC he's not coming from Alabama or Clemson like these this is this is what the combine is about it's about allowing these players from smaller schools who get their opportunity to come to Indianapolis and show up and be like hey I may not have played at this big time school but I am an NFL caliber player and I will show it to you and I just I felt like he was that story. And now after, you know, everyone's talking about how he's the gem of the 2020 draft and that he's becoming an elite, you know, draft pick. And it's exciting to me. I mean, I just think about, and this is not really about who he is as, a, as an athlete, but just, you know, these guys work their whole lives and um, they get these opportunities and it's exciting for them um, to be a young guy being like, this is my dream and showing up and showing out. Um, so I was excited for him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think another name, he was a he was a great pick. He did kind of like skyrocket at the combine. He was one of those guys that definitely made an impression. Another guy that I really enjoyed watching was Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. Almost a perfect 10. He had a 9.97. But if you talk about an explosive athlete, he broke just about every combine number that he could for the safety position. Like he looked so fantastic. And seeing him, you know, in some of these, uh, whether he kind of plays in the box or if they drop Adrian Amos to the box and then he and Darnell Savage are on the back end, thinking of the possibilities with guys that are the, this athletic, it's kind of fun, like we talked about a little bit earlier, to think about the chess pieces and, and what he can do with some of these really athletic guys. Um, and one last player I'll mention from the safety position, um, Legereus Sneed. Why would I bring him up? Because he played at Louisiana Tech. And one Tremont Williams also played for Louisiana Tech many moons ago. Legereus Sneed, 955 Rass, explosive athlete, 
looked really good at the combine. And if the Packers don't bring back Tremont Williams, why don't they take a guy like Legarius Need? Or you know what? Maybe they maybe he's undrafted and they sign him and it's he literally becomes an extra Tremont Williams. Uh, same story and everything. I don't know. That's probably never gonna happen. But we love the storylines. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing Pacs that she said isn't in charge of writing, you know, the script for the NFL because there'd be some weird stuff happening all the time. But would pick guys how cool their names are, <laughs> like Javelin. That's I'm gonna name my kid Javelin. Javelin Loney. <laughs> it sounds good. It's, don't tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is all the time that we have today on Packs What She Said. If you're still here, thank you. You know, this was just one of those shows that it was a lot, but we did it. You know, a couple ambulances, a lot of a lot of background noises, a lot of accidental laughter, but we we powered through, and we hope that you enjoy listening, and we hope you come back for episode six because we're still gonna keep doing these. So, you know, Perry, how can the people find you on Twitter? You can follow me at Goldstein Perry. Um, and as always, please follow the Packs What She Said podcast at PWSS Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. You can follow my writing at Cheesehead TV. And I also podcast with the Pack A Day podcast. Uh, thank you for listening to our show. We really hope you tune in next week. We hope that you enjoy this work that we do because it has been such a fun project and we're so grateful to get to do this each and every week. Um, Like I said at the beginning, we can't believe we're already on our fifth episode. Looking forward to many, many more. Um, So thank you for listening and go Pack Go!